I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by... Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Hello everyone. Salam, salam. Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from Manila. My co-host, Ayesa Abubakar, uh, can't join us uh, today. She's still acclimatizing to her new university in Kedah, Malaysia. Our guest today is um, really a great uh, woman to talk to. I mean, she's uh, been in, in planning, she's an engineer, she's now in the... Uh, is a member of the Bangsamoro Transition Authority, so she's a member of Parliament. And um, I was really thinking that she may have a lot to say about uh, what's going on in uh, in the Bangsamoro. You know, March was the ninth year anniversary of the signing of the Comprehensive Agreement on the Bangsamoro. The agreement, um, short name is CAB, was signed on March 27, 2014. And when that agreement was signed, my uh, guest was still in the autonomous region of Muslim Mindanao. Today, it's now called the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao with a different uh, system of government. Earlier this month, an international NGO working on peace, uh, prevention, uh, preventing wars, uh, known as the International Crisis Group or ICG, published a report entitled Southern Philippines Making Peace Stick in the Bangsamoro. I'd like to quote uh, a paragraph from, uh, from that uh, paper. It says, the peace process in the Philippines' autonomous Bangsamoro region is both largely on track and in peril. For lasting peace to take hold, all responsible authorities must work 
to quell violent instability, which persists in pockets and speed up elements of the process that are behind schedule. ICG warns that peace in BARM is at risk of faltering due to unfulfilled conditions of the 2014 Comprehensive Agreement on uh, the Bangsa Moro. In previous episodes of She Talks Peace, I had commented that you know, the transition of uh, the Bangsa Moro Autonomous Region under the new leadership, the uh, Moro Islamic Liberation Front, was really uh, conducted during a terrible time. When the pandemic struck, the Bangsamoro Transition Commission was just, I think, six months. The, the transition was just six months. So they have to deliver. They have to create a new system of government. Previously, the Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao, or ARM, was under a similar system as uh, as the whole country. Under We were under a presidential form of government. But when it became BARM, the regional government had to transform itself into a parliamentary system, while at the national level, we are still under a presidential system of government. Can you imagine you are a former rebel group, the MILF, you now have to take over a regional government. And while you are creating a new system of government, you have to deliver services. And during the pandemic, everything froze. Remember those years? We were uh, imprisoned in our homes. Mobility was very limited. Production was really minimized, not just for us in the Philippines, but all over the world. Countries suffered economically because of the lack of, uh, of production. But imagine you are the new management of this regional government and you have to deliver services while at the same time you have to make sure that you're supporting pandemic-related problems. You have to make sure that the health systems are are working so that you can provide uh, the vaccinations for, for citizens. Those were horrible, horrible years for the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao. But as I had noticed, and I had mentioned this in previous episodes, in spite of the fact that the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region is probably the poorest if, or, or maybe the second poorest region in the Philippines, according to the Philippine Statistical Authority, it didn't do so badly during the COVID years when it came to alleviating poverty. Because as it turns out, it had actually performed a little better than other regions. So I guess the ICG's uh, initial comment is correct that the uh, the peace process is both largely on track, there is delivery of service, but it's also in peril. So I thought we could ask uh, 
our guest today to tell us a little bit more about what uh, the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region is uh, trying to do to support peace and development, to support women, to support the peace um, agreement. And she's the perfect person to do this because, as I had mentioned earlier, she had worked into in the old autonomous region uh, for Muslim Mindanao and is now a member of the parliament of the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region for Muslim Mindanao. Member of Parliament Bayintan Ampatuan has been a legislator for the past four years and previously a development planner for 27 years. She studied civil engineering and she had worked uh, mostly in, uh, in development. Today, she is one of the 80 presidential appointees for the second Bangsamoro Transition Authority Parliament. And as a member of parliament, she, ser she has served as a member of uh, the finance uh, committee. She's in fact the vice person of the Committee on Finance. She's a member of seven other committees, including the Committee on Women, Youth, Children, and other vulnerable sectors. She's also co-chairperson of the Joint Task Force on Camps Transformation, or JTFCT, which is one of the peace mechanisms under the socioeconomic cluster of the inter-cabinet cluster mechanism on normalization. Welcome to the show, MC Bayintan. Yeah, um, Rahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wabarakatuh. Thank you very much, Mom, for the kind introduction. Um, I'm overwhelmed with the, with the introduction. But anyway, um, yes, um, I am one of the 80, um, uh, Fortunate uh, member of uh, the parliament uh, who comes from came from the uh, government side. Uh, yes, ma'am. I, you know, I look at the work you do, <laughs> MP Bayitan, and I don't know if lucky is the word to use because you're doing so much under uh, less resources than I would have wanted. So. I would actually say condolences by Intan. So what has it been like, by Intan? You used to be in ARM uh, and then now you're in BARM. What are the changes? What's different between your work, you know, the way you were managing in ARM and now you're managing in BARM? Yeah, um, a lot of changes uh, actually. Um, from uh, working in an executive development uh, worker to a legislator in a parliamentary form of government, um, there was really a huge shift no, of the kind of job and adjustment to the kind of environment and also the people that we are working. Um, in the past, uh, I used to work with the bureaucrats, but now uh, there is a mixture of uh, bureaucrats, uh, uh, those coming from the civil society and especially uh, those coming from the rebel groups. So it's it's quite challenging, but um, we are 
we're actually uh, all, 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 us, all of us are adjusting to this kind of set. And how has the adjustment been, MP Bayintan? What's it like working with former combatants, former leaders of the MILF? Is that do you find it easy to work with them? What's it like? Uh, it's not easy actually, um, but uh, <laughs> it's inspiring uh, because a lot of uh, kind of uh, strategic uh, uh, strategy building on your part too should come out. So, uh, a lot of navigation because, uh, you know, uh, there are lots of people in the parliament coming from uh, the uh, academe, coming from the religious, coming from the civil society, coming from uh, the previous uh, arm, and uh, coming from the uh, MILF who, who are branded religious uh, organizations. So, uh, Need to adjust uh, on how they uh, perceive us and how we perceive them. So uh, a lot of adjustment coming from us and coming from them. Yeah, that's a very diplomatic response, Bayitan, uh, because I was going to ask you. Uh, I've noticed really that uh, the region seems to become a bit more fundamentalist. So they're you know, their attitudes, for instance, to women in leadership positions, they may be uncomfortable with it. And here you are, your uh, co-chairperson of the Joint Task Force on Camps Transformation, which means you have to deal with the MILF leaders. Yes. How do uh, you manage, as a woman leader, as a woman member of parliament, how do you manage to engage them? What's your secret of success, Bayintan? Um, Mom, you just have to be firm on whatever um, agenda you bring to the table. Um, you you, you ex- try to explain them, uh, let them uh, recognize and understand. Um, what is important here is you need to communicate with them. Um, they may not understand you uh, easily, but uh, gradually, uh, I, I, I know that uh, we, are, we are gaining uh, such uh, achievements in bringing forward the agenda that we want to uh, uh, share with the parliament. I, you know, it's not very easy, Mom, because uh, for both the being a member of part being a co-chair, uh, we need to deal with them um, on a daily basis, uh, um, most likely. But um, the key here is um, you need to talk to the right people, uh, informally or formally. And when you are in the, the session or in the plenary or in the committee, you should be ready with uh, whatever agenda that you want to uh, share with them. Um, yes, they will listen. Uh, at some point, they will argue with you. They will not accept the idea, but just try to bring it forward. But, and later on, I think they will listen to you. If they will find it useful and relevant to, to, the, to, the, to their agenda. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I think uh, MP by Intan, the fact that you're a civil engineer and the fact that you used to head the planning uh, authority of the old autonomous region of Muslim Mindanao, that probably gives you a lot more credibility in your discussions uh, with them. But you mentioned that you do informal talks as well as the official talks. And correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes the informal talks can actually be more important, right? Yes, uh, exactly, ma'am. Um, you should find a way uh, over a cup of coffee. Uh, or cup of coffee, right. <laughs> uh, during uh, break time, especially okay. in uh, our sessions or in our community meetings, we find a way to uh, talk first to, to the leaders. Uh, if you want to say something that may, you, you might think that uh, contradicts to their uh, desire, uh, you need to uh, advance the information that you're going to talk this and uh, uh, your objective of why you do so. So uh, at least you will not be uh, shocked when, when the discussion comes uh, in. So that's one strategy, ma'am. Um, second is uh, you so need to um, uh, substantiate whatever uh, agenda that you have based on experience or based on scientific uh, analysis. Uh, you need to substantiate all your things. But uh, by intent, before you go into the official, you make sure first that you have built that trust, right? To the informal coffee sessions. You know, when you were explaining, reminded me of my mother when she was in, in the Senate and neophyte senator. And you know what she would do by Intan? She would serve our native coffee from Sulu. And you have really good coffee in Magindana also. And then she would make sure that uh, we get from the province uh, what we call ja, and I think in Magindana we call it tinagtag. 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 So she would serve that. And of course, you know, if um, her colleagues were enjoying their coffee and their tinagtag, <laughs> it would be easier to bring up the important issues like uh, women in development and nation building up. So I, you know, I... I I think that's really such an important thing to remember that sometimes the official discussions lay the grounds for greater acceptance when you go into the official talks. So given the fact that you're doing both strategies, what's happening with the normalization uh, 
mechanism. And and maybe you can explain to our leaders, uh, Bayintan, what is normalization? Yeah, um, actually, um, as member of parliament, uh, I, I'm working uh, uh, under the political track of this this uh, process, and as JTFCT co-chair, uh, I'm working in one of the mechanisms of normalization. Normalization is uh, composed of several um, interventions that needs to be implemented in order to fulfill uh, the uh, comprehensive agreement on the banks and more. And one of the mechanisms uh, where I work with is the socioeconomic component. So under the socioeconomic component, uh, we have the uh, task force on decommissioning combatants uh, that's in charge for the decommissioning of the combatants. The other mechanism is the joint task force on trans- transformation, where I am part of the core co-chair of, co-chairs of, of the uh, task force. So um, as, as a co-chair, we ensure that the uh, um, interventions that are coming in with the six uh, previously acknowledged scams of the MILF, we guide uh, the partners uh, and uh, uh, those, uh, the secretariat in uh, uh, the implementation of programs and projects uh, under the joint task force. So basically, in a nutshell, that's how it works. There are other mechanisms, uh, but I'm not involved into it. There are uh, on peace and uh, other components. So, but uh, I'm limited to the the uh, council only. When you talk about uh, normalization, you're not just trying to bring back the combatants into the communities, right? So that they come back to being peaceful civilians. But you're also talking about um, improving their communities. So when when we talk about improving the communities, and since you're also involved in the committee on women, youth, and children, is the the mechanism? Are the mechanisms for normalization? Are you happy about the way they provide assistance to women and women combatants, or do you think they can improve it? Um, we need to understand this, uh, Mom. That under the um, normalization and uh, under the comprehensive agreement on the banks tomorrow, the um, responsibility of implementing uh, programs and projects uh, under the normalization is uh, a responsibility given to the national government. So um, the uh, banks tomorrow government uh, has its uh, mandate in uh, uh, implementing programs and projects for its uh, general for the general uh, public uh, residing in Bangsamor. So um, what I'm trying to say, ma'am, is that um, uh, in terms of the limitations, no, uh, the the Bangsamor government is not obliged to uh, implement programs and projects for the decommissioned combatants and their communities. Uh, it's actually a responsibility of the national government uh, under the comprehensive agreement of the Bank Samoro. However, the way I put it, um, the Bank Samoro government may augment the resources coming from the national government because we know that uh, there are issues right now as to the uh, funds uh, from the national government 
given that uh, we have faced the uh, COVID-19, uh, we have lots of uh, uh, death, and uh, also with the uh, implementation of the Mandanus ruling, there are some sort of decentralization of uh, the programs and projects with the local government units. So um, these are things that needs to be sorted out between the national government and the banks of our government, because after all, um, those situation competence and uh, their communities are also constituencies of the banks of our government. You know, that's, um, it's re really interesting that you mentioned the Mandana's uh, ruling. To our listeners, the Mandana's ruling uh, is named after then Governor Mandanas, who actually sued right by then the national government, saying that the national government was violating a law that uh, actually the constitution that actually stated that local governments should automatically get a certain percentage that is due to them that it should not have to go through national government and then. Uh, Governors and mayors would have to go line up and uh, lobby national government for the release of their funds. And the Supreme Court decided in favor of Governor Mandanas. Therefore, now you've got the very powerful Mandanas ruling, which means local governments can now automatically access their share of uh, budget. Which brings me to a question about... Um, the role of local governments in education. You, you know, by Intan, I had a conversation uh, a week ago about why our educational system is, is failing. And you know very well, in the autonomous region, we have the highest case of adult illiteracy. A third of our, our adults are, are illiterate. And the levels of uh, performance for our children in school is also rather low. And uh, in this conversation that I had with people who are advocating for reforms in the educational system, one of them was actually saying, why can't local governments have more authority over education so that they could use their resources to support it, just like the, the health, right? Now the hospitals are under local government, so local governments have to support uh, hospitals and, and clinics. Do you think that's going to work where we are by in time? Do you think local governments should have authority over schools? Um, yes, I need to really assess the capacity of our local government units in terms of delivering the current uh, um, mandate that they have. Yeah. Um, adding up another responsibility needs um, uh, some assessment or study so that uh, we would uh, ensure that uh, it will be implemented accordingly. Um, we, when we try to look at the, our local government units, uh, most of them are fifth and sixth class municipalities. And yes. uh, therefore, their uh, uh, national tax allocation is very minimal. Um, and if you try to look at the indicators and the data, the, the development of our LGUs are very slow. So um, I guess we really need some study if we try to devolve 
this education and that will be discussed um, uh, in the coming uh, uh, deliberation of the uh, Bangsamoro uh, local government code which is up for discussion in the parliament very soon. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Many, most of our villages and municipalities are really poor when it comes to revenues because we still don't have that much economic uh, development in uh, in our areas let me let me talk about the work that you're doing for women for instance uh, for women uh, empowerment how do you advocate by intan with the other members of the parliament uh, for the empowerment of uh, of women, because I know you're not just involved in the committee on women, but you're also involved in agriculture, public works, education, and health. So, how do you push for the empowerment of uh, of women in these other committees? Yeah, uh, the the latest that I have, uh, I could share it to you now. Is uh, during the deliberation of the Bangsamoro electoral. Team. Um, we are actually uh, happy that um, we finally um, passed the Bangsamoro Electoral Code. And um, there are many provisions there that um, talks about women. And one very important provision is the representation of women. Uh, it's pegged at 30% uh, for the nominees of each of the parliament the, uh, political parties. Um, that was, we had a very long um, deliberation and discussions about because we pushed for uh, 50%. Um, <laughs> even, even asked the parliament to divide the house because uh, 30% is not a guarantee that uh, we could get the, really, the real 30% because um, even though you are nominated as part of the 30%, when you are at the bottom uh, list, right. uh, not an assurance that you go uh, be part of uh, the winning winning uh, party. So uh, we push uh, for the 50%, and uh, my recommendation is to put the women uh, at the top 10 uh, of the list of the nominees. But there was a really heated discussion about this because uh, even the MILF women... Um, are into it, but they cannot speak because their their principles of stand uh, that uh, um, they pick it thirty percent. So uh, the, the one who interpolated me is a man mm. <laughs> because uh, it will uh, uh, have a negative effect on uh, whoever would interpolate the other side if it's woman. So. Um, there was really a heavy discussion and uh, there was a division of the house and those women advocate that are in the plenary uh, even voted with us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <In their own. laughs> so, you know, um, you know, you know what, Bayintan, um, of course, you know, we were rooting for, for you and, and the 50%, but still, Bayintan, to be able to get the men to agree to 30% is fantastic because at the national level, you have no such quota. So you and the other women in the parliament have to be congratulated for managing to, to accomplish this. But, but by time, my question to you is, okay, now you have the, the law. How are you going to 
implement it to make sure that women do have a good chance of getting elected? Yeah, it's actually the biggest challenge, ma'am, because yeah. uh, everything in the law is new, I, I, I suppose, because this is a parliamentary setup and this is the first time that we're having these political parties and we have these uh, reserved seats for women. And in the political parties, uh, there are lots of requirements, uh, especially for uh, those um, um, political parties that would want to be registered. Mm-hmm. And if they are already registered, they need to be accredited. And there are lots of requirements that are needed to be complied. My advocacy to the women or women's group then is to educate their peers, their women within their circles, how to go about with these uh, um, provisions of the law because it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy to comply all the requirements and they need really to understand the provision of the law. Otherwise, there would be some technicality. So um, my advocacy is to educate especially the women uh, in this uh, new electoral code so that they can meaningfully participate in the coming election. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. MP Bayintan, let me ask you a mischievous question. <laughs> the election for uh, uh, the Bangsamoro uh, Parliament will be in 2025, right? What's the possibility, Bayintan, of you and the other uh, women leaders in BARM actually putting together some kind of women's movement so that women can come together and support other women? Is that something that's possible or workable, Bayintan? Um, it's possible, but uh, uh, it would be better if we, we join first with uh, the established political parties or we can create our own political parties. Um, but um, we need to start as soon as possible because uh, it's barely 24 months uh, or yeah, less than less than two years before the election. So, um we, we should we should pass track everything if we want to uh, join in any political exercises later on. Yeah, and that two years is really not uh, much time to be able to do two things, complete the transformation of BARM into a parliamentary form of government and continue to deliver the service, which brings me to that... Um, assessment by the International Crisis Group when they say that uh, uh, the peace process is uh, uh, in peril. I mean, it has successes, but it's also in peril. What do you say about that? What do, what do you say to ICG's warnings that peace in Barm is faltering? Um, I guess uh, right now... Um Everybody's trying to work that 
the peace agreement would be uh, success, succeed. Um, the national government, uh, because I'm part of the JTFCT and, uh, or the mechanisms for normalization, is trying its best uh, to uh, fulfill its obligation in the agreement. And the Bantamoro government is trying its best really to comply with the requirements of the law as provided in the Bantamoro organic law. So everyone actually, uh, I think even the LGS right now are united, uh, especially with uh, the, in the province of Maguindanao. Re just recently, there was a unification already uh, that was done uh, in support to the call of the president. We should all be united. Also, um, in the BTA, there's no more minority and majority. All of us are part of the government. So I think everybody's trying its best to um, really contribute and make this uh, peace process succeed. So I hope that uh, uh, the direction and the advocacy should be towards that. And uh, the ICG should look at the other aspects that are being... Uh, uh, the other efforts, uh, the the efforts of everyone in trying to make this uh, this uh, agreement successful. By the way, MP, um, we had Samira Butuk, our friend uh, Samira, as a, a guest on uh, She Talks Peace, and that she was talking about uh, the lack of support for the uh, the displaced persons from the from the Marawi siege. And I was just wondering, uh, because the BTA has an oversight committee on, uh, on the Marawi rehabilitation, I was just wondering what uh, legislative support the BTA is uh, working on so that the IDPs, the displaced people from uh, the bombings, from the Marawi siege, would actually go back and start building their lives. Because I was in Marawi uh, last March, and I tell you, I was really shocked, uh, MP, because while it's great that there are roads, the government uh, structures are up, but there was not a single house or store that had been uh, put up. What kind of support do you think a barn? Provide. Yeah, um, just for information of everyone, as early as um, one, I think in 2020, um, we are already um, the agenda of helping the uh, Marawi recover. Uh, in fact, um, the bank, the BTA one, created a special company on Marawi. We tried to study the, the situation there. I, I, I was part of uh, steering up the uh, subcommittee then. And um, well, the resolution is that we need to support um, the rehabilitation and recovery of the Marawi. And uh, in, I think starting 2020, um, we provided already um, um, around 500 million uh, pesos intended for parish support to the rehabilitation of Marawi. And uh, every year, uh, we allocate uh, funds. I'm not exactly sure if it's 2020 or we started in 2020 or 2021, but each year, we already provide 500 million for Marawi 
that is over and above the other services that are being provided by the ministries and offices, uh, the direct services coming from them. So it's actually um, substantial amount. The way I see it, the major problem there is the availability plans where we can uh, construct the uh, housing programs. Uh, part of the allocation that we provided for Marawi rehabilitation is on housing. But uh, uh, what I've been hearing from the, uh, steering committee members that we uh, are encountering uh, issues on on lands. On land, I, I understand that um, even six years afterwards. They're still having problems in identifying who are the real owners. That's that's really remarkable, MP. How do we how do we improve our titling system so that you don't have this problem where you don't know who is the owner of uh, of a real estate in 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 Marawi? Yeah, actually, that is a very deep uh, problem that we have, especially in. In Marawi, but in, in the entire Samoa, and there are ad, actually studies right now that are into it that create the legislation of the DPA. So um, we're looking that uh, in the coming uh, years uh, we can legislate uh, applicable laws uh, that will eventually help us resolve all this problem. Just listening to you, uh, MP Bayintan, I'm already tired. That's why when you said you were lucky, what I said was actually no. I offer you my condolences for the tremendous work that you that you have been doing and and uh, continue to do. And um, but before we go, uh, MP Bayintan, um, perhaps there is a. A message that you would like to share with uh, with our listeners, because now uh, we have listeners all over the Philippines, as well as in ninety five other countries. So I think they can be encouraged by a message coming from you. Yeah, um, to all the listeners uh, all over the globe, um, I guess the experience. The Bangsamoro is something that we can look into, uh, study, and uh, the uh, lessons and the best practices can be of help to others. Uh, right now, uh, so far, so good. Uh, we are at least uh, in our major responsibility as Bangsamoro Transition Authority. We finish four out of the seven uh, codes that we are uh, obliged to do. And uh, with regards to the peace uh, or the normalization, I think um, the decommissioning will be uh, done very, very soon uh, because uh, uh, just recently I saw some uh, allocation of funds coming from the DSWD. And uh, just this morning, we have uh, our meetings with uh, um, one of the funders, uh, European Union, with the support to the decommissioning and for the campus uh, transformation. And uh, I guess uh, our leaders uh, in the Bank Samoro are doing their best, very best, so that uh, the, uh, the dividends of peace and the success of this uh, 
peace uh, peace deal with the national government in Philippines. Um, just help us, uh, help us understand that uh, this is a transition government, and we are doing some some many major major adjustments uh, individually as an organization and as an institution. So um, we hope that we can succeed, so that uh, whatever lessons that uh, uh, will be uh, shared by this uh, Bangsamoro government will be of help to others. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Member of Parliament Bayintan Ampatuan. My dear listeners, you heard uh, an engineer, an economic development uh, planner who is now in politics. And like most women, they will tell you a woman's work is never done. There is so much more to do. So I can only say to our Member of Parliament, Bayintan Ampatuan. More power to you, Bayintan. And uh, the Transition Commission is lucky to, to have you. So thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your experiences with, uh, with our listeners. More power, Bayintan. And uh, even as you muse about what to do to get more women empowered, Maybe you really should start thinking about how we can have uh, a start of a women's movement in the Bangsamoro. Get our women more educated, more politicized. And who knows? Maybe we will have 30% women in uh, the next Bangsamoro uh, parliament. So thank you so much, Bayintan, for joining us. Thank you, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now. Join us in the next episode of She Talks Peace. And if you have a message or some suggestions for Member of Parliament Bayintan Apatuan, do send us an email at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me repeat that. She talks peace podcast at gmail.com. So salam everyone. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.